welcome to Edgeweather. So we're back with another episode and tonight we're going to focus on self-evaluation. And we just thought that that probably is a topic that we're into term four now. Most schools are going to be focusing in on that um, as they look towards um, next session. Um, schools are feeling a wee bit more normal now, which is good. Um, but also we want to focus on self-valuation for the purpose of how we improve further, I think. Yeah, and I, I think it'll be a really good topic to discuss. There's lots in it, and I think there's sort of mechanical things to discuss, procedural things, but I'd quite like to have a wider discussion on a kind of philosophical level about it, about what it means and who it's for and what the purpose of it is as well. I think that'd be good. So why don't we start with that then? Because I, I think the why is really important then. Why would you engage in self-valuation? What's it all about? So yeah, I think unless we really interrogate that question, it can become just another form-filling exercise, can't it? And I think there's something, I suppose there's a kind of, there's a political lens that you could look through it as well, because I think when... Around, when, around accountability, you mean? Yeah, accountability, but also just like, if you think about Higgius and when that was brought in, it was meant to be a, an empowering device because it was to put the the sort of ongoing rigorous accountability back into the hands of the schools rather than it being a kind of external or all the pressure on mm -hmm. external examination or external focus on the school. It was meant to be a sort of cumulative, uh, like collaborative mm -hmm. effort in terms of self-evaluation. So for the whole school community to be involved in that. So I think for me... I quite like that system within Scotland, the importance that we put on yeah. self-evaluation. So the, the, the why of that being a... Oh, without a doubt, I think when you compare it to other systems where it's very much about the inspection or the quality assurance, yeah. I think putting teachers and putting learners at the heart of what we're doing, you cannot. I cannot disagree with that as, a, an, as an approach. Yeah. And because it's those people who are living and breathing it, and arguably, those people have the most influence and power to change it as yeah. well. So I think there there's that sort of purpose behind it, and mm. definitely in its inception, that was the that was that was the intent. I would say. Yeah. Um, I suppose then it becomes now how many people schools or if people are reflecting on that question itself would they be saying that that's what it's sort of maintaining mm -hmm. is that how it's fully realized in in a school setting yeah or has it become has the why become it's much more of a have to and it's sort yeah. of built in because it, there's a an accountability that 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 like a bureaucratic accountability that happens that you need to fill that in because you need to send a form away so I suppose there's a kind of two ends of the spectrum maybe there in terms of that real rigorous ongoing self-evaluation throughout the year. So it's embedded fully into the processes of the school. It's hugely influential in determining what happens next. It's really supportive. It's collaborative. Or it's just a, a bureaucratic barrier. And that's maybe, like, we can discuss the full gamut of that spectrum yeah. tonight, maybe. And I think for me, the, the most important thing is that it is, as you say, Jude, it is 
absolutely fundamental on a day-to-day -day basis. So it should help you do your job. And whether that's you self-evaluating yourself against the GTCS standards for your PRD conversation, or whether that's a middle leader or senior leader looking at the overall quality of learning in an area of the school, is that not what we're all about? Is that not... Yeah. You know, and is that our job about improving experiences for young people? Yeah. So, actually, self-valuation for me is about asking a wide range of people, carrying out activities that gives you evidence in order to make your judgments. I think where I've seen self-evaluation not work is where it has just been a, oh, we have to do this, so we're going to write down based on a feeling that we have about something that's not actually evidence-based mm -hmm. or too much focus is based on one activity. So <clears throat> whilst it's important to ask people, that becomes the sole focus of your evidence. So people go, oh, I'm really good at this or I think we're really good at this because X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But actually, you've not, you've not asked the pupils what they think. Yeah. You've not carried out a learning walk, and you've not you know, kind of checked out that that is actually what you think. It's yeah. just been too focused on one so source. So there's no rigour yeah. involved in the process. Absolutely. And I, when, I, when I think about that in terms of the data gathering and the kind of multiple data points that yeah. there are. I, I think, again, that's when, when I've seen self-evaluation go really well and when I've been part of things that I can see that are really empowering and really um, really eye-opening for, for where we are as a school or where practitioners are individually or groups of um, learners. Do you know, it gives a, when you, when you, interrogate lots of different data points and talking from quite formal attainment assessment information down to the really informal data points mm -hmm. you know in terms of conversations and the, the gut feeling bit that you're talking mm -hmm. about as well but when you've got that that full kind of um overview of all of those different data points throughout throughout a school because there are so many within yeah. a school and do you think do you think people truly understand data? Because I'm really interested in data. I think as a school leader, um, that really helps me do my job. Mm. And I'm always looking for ways in which to analyse it differently and then how we can use it to track improvements. But do you think we have a broad enough and a deep enough understanding of all the different data also, do we have the right data? I mean, wow, really good questions there. And I think that could even be a whole podcast episode on its own. So I know, I don't think we do as a, as a, I don't know. I, I think there's um, a really big misconception when it comes to data. So <clears throat> one of the misconceptions I would say is that sort of um, empirical part of evidence and data that, that mm -hmm. or that's privileged so it's like what we can see things that we can observe things that we can, can measure. measure yeah and i think that does have a really kind of toxic impact on self-evaluation because it, it, it so things like attainment attainment yeah attendance and yeah. Um, so these are things that are easy to measure because we we have attendance data yeah for every child 
and then you can average that for a school or a year group or a cohort. So and it becomes easy, easy to, to measure, easy to analyse, and maybe not analyse particularly well, but it becomes, it's it's that sort of um, number culture that we're all really a big part of at the moment. And it's that that fixation with measuring improvement, measuring quality of things. So if it's... But do you not think that that's important? Because how else do you know if you've improved, if you can't measure something? But I also appreciate that are we measuring the right things or are we just measuring the things that are easy to measure? Yeah, do we measure what we value or value what we can yeah. measure? And that, so that that's a really interesting bit and that bit's, like I've been wrestling with that a lot recently mm. in terms of the, the observable nature of things or the things that we can easily see and work out and put on a spreadsheet become the things that we talk about most mm -hmm. often. But if we think about just even um, learning, okay, like teaching and learning in a mm -hmm. school, it's something a big part of what we should be evaluating yeah. in order to make progress on. Like, can you neatly observe learning within a learning walk, within a term? Like, learn. it suggests that learning is a linear process. Yeah, can, I think for me it is... A, I think it always has to be a snapshot. Yeah. If you look at what activities are undertaken, I think it can only ever be a snapshot. It cannot truly give you a picture all the time. And I think as well, when you do lesson observations, there has to be a clear focus. So if you're looking at questioning, you look at questioning with everyone, and then that gives you a fairly good snapshot of questioning across your school. Yeah. One of the things I was going to touch upon that, around how do we how easy is it to measure things was health and well-being mm. so I know that's one of the key things mm -hmm. there's been a lot of debate and discussion around is how do you measure improvements in well-being because so you take yeah. you know the pandemic we're coming through hopefully um how do you know if young people's well-being is improving when on a given day that can fluctuate Given week, you know, what does it mean to have good well-being? How do yeah. you measure that? Is that through a kind of, you know, as you go through the airport and you press the different smiley faces? Yeah, like, does that give you a picture of it? See, I suppose, yeah, what I was talking about and connect to that, I think, in terms of the the measurability. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. The how how easy oh, it is it. To, to measure <laughs> something. It's an obsession with being able to measure things down to something that is like something like well-being is so complex and mm. nuanced and and invisible, do you know, so 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 devoid of ability to be measured because mm. well-being to you means something totally different yeah. than it does to me to someone else. So then we quantify it and we yeah. make explicit what we're meaning by that, but then that's someone's narrower interpretation of that. Narrow because it's someone's had to narrow it to make it explicit what they're yeah. meaning. Therefore, we're measuring that, and then what are we not measuring by measuring that? And then it just becomes this, I think, as soon as you try to make these really complex phenomena like well-being or learning, 
measurable, mm-hmm. immediately you're losing something by measuring it. So I don't, I don't know how. So we can look at, and there are a range of things that are done really well, and a range of um, thoughts and theories and and papers written about measuring well-being and well-being and what like being able to understand people's psychology and progress that they're making with that there are tools and things that we can have that are really intricate nuanced complex sort of sophisticated tools for doing that Mm -hmm. but i i would argue that our position to be able to do that effectively Mm -hmm. i think that just reduces it to methods to, to to tools to strategies for trying to get a number on something so that we can show improvement on something that i don't think necessarily is worthwhile <laughs> do you know so how would you ensure so if one of your improvement priorities was to i don't improve the resilience or develop more resilient young people around their well-being how would you know if that was successful then if you're not looking at any sort of data like so is that just a feeling that you go okay we've done this activity so therefore we assume that it's a great question. Things have happened because that's what we're wrestling with, isn't it? Yeah. And I know I don't know the answer to that, and I suppose no, that's I, why I wanted <laughs> to bring that up because I just I don't I think if you don't challenge it through the lens that I was just trying to challenge yeah. it there, I think it can become quite a almost like a self fulfilling prophet. Prophecy, do you know, it's almost like, well, we, it's an improvement agenda for us this year, so we're going to improve well-being, so we're going to pick and choose the tools that allow us to yeah. measure that appropriately, and because we're focusing on that really well, that that number will either go up or down, if it goes down, then we'll change it again next year, and we'll try something else until we get the result that we're looking for, is a really cynical way of looking at it, and I'm not trying to suggest that we're fudging no, statistics, no, no. but... That's it's but does that have not to also it? lead to improvement though? Because by you putting a measure on something, so quite often, you know, there'll be percentages. If you move away from well-being and go back to attainment, where it's a lot easier to measure, mm-hmm. or even attendance, quite often there'll be smart targets around. Okay, we want to improve attendance from ninety-two percent overall to ninety-four percent. Yeah. So there's a clear target that as a school you want to improve by 2%. That focuses the mind of everyone so that that's what yeah. we're trying to achieve. Part of the problem I think I have with all of this is that it's it's by creating smart targets, by measuring things against self-evaluation uh-huh. targets, against quality indicators, it suggests or it inflates the role that we have as a school to be able to make a difference on that. Now, we can no, 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 no. We can make a massive difference on that, but uh-huh. suggesting that a child comes in at this point in the year with a well-being score of five, and we can get them to a well-being score of ten by the end of the year, and say that this the bite the self-evaluation process that we've gone through suggests that we are having an impact on that child's life. I think it, that reducing it to that kind of business-like sort of oh, well, we're not model. It, I suppose what that does is it doesn't take account of the full spectrum of everything that's involved in that young child's life and I totally understand things are complex however if you take something like attainment there are things you can do to impact on that yes without a doubt 
you know, by, by putting a focus on something or introducing a new strategy or, you know, there are things you can do to improve attendance, attainment, well-being, you know. Definitely, yeah. I'm not saying you can make it perfect and 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 do that, but what we're talking about there is the why and the data and yeah. the importance of data. I guess one thing that we're working on in my school is how we become, and this probably goes against what you've just described, <laughs> is how we know if we're making a difference with our improvement plan. Yeah. So we create an improvement plan. We do that because we, we've we identified those areas that need to improve. But when it comes to the end of that year, or end of two years or whatever the time period is, how do you know you've made the difference you need to? So surely that's where you have to have smart targets. Where yeah, you can't just say, oh, we've had... X number of interventions or assemblies or staff meetings on this topic, therefore job done. Because what is the impact of that? Yeah. So in a kind of positive, yeah, pragmatic sense, mm-hmm. that that works definitely, and I see the value in that, and I think the value of the system around that works because without that, it could just be just chaos do you know it's just yeah everyone working on whatever yeah, it is everyone's busy want, but everyone's busy but are we working towards a common goal so yeah. I, suppose, I suppose there's a point there about being really clear that the things that you're working towards are based on your values and the vision of the school and have collective buy-in or collaborative in terms of their intent so yeah. it's not just SLT have got around the table and decided that this is what we're aiming for and then trying to move the school towards that point yeah. without any kind of collaboration or consultation with everybody else. So I think the the reason that I'm hesitant or find that worrying is because that quite often, as is the case, because schools across the country, across the across the world, work incredibly hard and have a massive, hugely significant impact and do make a lot of progress Mm -hmm. because there are really impactful kind of evaluation processes along the way that sort of measure that progress and show us where we're getting to. The the difficulty that I have with it, I suppose, is that viewed from the other side, creating a culture where everything can be measured and there's accountability and there's um, high-stakes accountability because maybe not so much in Scotland, but there are people who like heads and, and leadership teams that will lose their jobs, schools will be shut down if they are not meeting these improvement agendas and points that are that they sign up to because then the opposite of that is then you're not an improving school or you're failing to improve. And I suppose the point I'm trying to make is that it creates a like a, a business like efficiency model that makes it very easy to point the finger at schools as being the the kind of the places where it's gone wrong rather than trying to suggest that actually even improving attainment sometimes there are factors that play beyond the school community that have a massive impact on that attainment not being improved but if it's a smart target through the school that they haven't been able to make then who's accountable for that do you know the the, the kind of yeah. negative side of that becomes a i just think it creates a, a culture of but is that not about having confidence in knowing not just the data, but actually the young people behind the data? Like, Definitely. Is that not 
it's not just about data for data's sake. It's and that get back, gets back to measurable. So it's not just a statistic. But I'm, I'm not suggesting that we measure everything. What I would be advocating for is that actually we need to have a conversation about what it is that is important and what what is our yeah. also what's our minimum data set in terms of as a school. What yeah. are the key things that we think give us a flavour of our school and are they important? And that's a really important discussion, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. then that changes. If you view the important things as the only things that you can measure, then I think that's a really poor form of self-evaluation. Yeah. And I don't think that does what it claims to do. No. So I think that is really, really important. That kind of values vision-driven look at what is it that's important to us here? What are the points that we want to look at? What story are we going to tell here? Now, depending on the way that you approach that question, Mm -hmm. that has a huge impact on your self-evaluation process. So if you are valuing kind of quick fix silver bullet approaches towards things where you can see drastic improvement within a year, then that's that's quite high stakes accountability, isn't it? But if you're seeing a real community building approach towards self evaluation that mm-hmm. involves multiple all stakeholders, mm-hmm. that is really collaborative and like got a really strong ethos behind it, then you'll be looking for other data. So you'll be looking for inquiry projects that have taken place mm-hmm. across the school. You'll be having qualitative as well as quantitative yeah, approaches towards your self-evaluation and that's really important for any type because ultimately this is just research into how the school yeah, is doing it's, it's a research project it's a practitioner inquiry throughout right, the whole year isn't scale, yeah. yeah and i think that's what is really important is that it's not just the traditional forms of data like we're talking about all data so you know a learning walk is data. Yeah. You know, yeah. a focus group is giving you data, a questionnaire. But I guess by pulling them all together, you should then see a picture and each thing should back up the other thing. Yeah. And if it's not, that should tell you something in itself that, yeah. oh, maybe we need to do a wee bit more work there or dig a wee bit deeper there. So who's responsible at that point then? At the analysis point, like what's what's your thoughts on that? Like, is that a leadership team decision analysis? Is that like what's the best version of that? I think it has to be all. Mm-hmm. I guess it's I'm say all staff because I view this as a professional activity. Yeah, but I do think there is a role for parents and for young people as well, but a slightly different role because mm-hmm. I think ultimately it's a professional document. Yeah. that we're pulling together. So it's written professionally. Yeah, bound by professional yeah. standards, bound by policy So I think documents ultimately it's staff that have to <coughs> make these judgments around evaluations. Yeah. Um, I think we can ask views of parents and young people. I think it's more powerful when everyone is involved in that. Um, and I know I've certainly been involved in schools where it's just been the senior leadership team who make that judgment and it's probably not quite as accurate as it could be. Mm-hmm. And I've also been involved in schools where actually all staff are involved in contributing to that. 
and I think it's much more powerful. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it needs to be not even just a kind of communication thing. So a case of we've looked at the data and we've mm-hmm. so everyone knows. I think it needs to be what does this tell us? So everybody being presented yeah. with the same information. And I mean, I worked in in one school where every so this was under old Higgy, so this is a wee while ago. Um, every term there was a return you had to do and let's say it was curriculum or meeting the needs of learners you were given I don't know 15 questions and you had to rate each question on the higgiest scale Mm. based on your own practice and then you had to highlight what was really good practice and what your next steps would be so you would do almost like your own self-evaluation and you can pick holes in that activity but in the sense it was you reflecting and self-evaluating your own practice and then we shared that at a faculty meeting Mm -hmm. and then we had to agree a faculty response using everyone's collective um, understanding and then all the faculty responses were then shared Mm -hmm. with the head teacher and the individual ones and then a whole school one was made as a result of that. Mm. Um, But that was just based on that person's view Mm -hmm. there was no other evidence around that it was just that was the evidence but that was an interesting activity in itself because you were you were essentially reflecting it was forcing you to reflect on your practice under that qi that sounds like a really kind of fruitful process that i think everyone being part of that would have felt empowered or felt that they were part of that ongoing yeah process I would say everyone felt involved. I guess there's certainly at times probably there's a what what do you do if staff think they're good and actually their practice is not that good? Yeah. You've not got any other evidence telling you to the contrary, are you? Mm-hmm. If you're just relying on people's views about something, mm-hmm. if their view is not actually reality, mm-hmm. so they see themselves as excellent, practitioner, sector leading, and yet someone observes them and they're not, how do you deal with that under that system where there's only one aspect? Now, I'm picking holes in it now because I'm reflecting and I've seen other practice since then. It raises a really important question, though, about who is it ultimately for. Yeah. Because is it to be a self-improving system? Uh In which case, that's great because that, that that data brings up a conflict and a tension mm-hmm. that then provokes further action to then be able to say, oh, that, like, and I suppose this is the difficulty when it comes to high stakes accountability, because if you are doing that as a personal exercise for you to be able to improve your practice yourself, stakes, to yeah. be able to build, like, professional capital within the school and people to can it do that regularly so it becomes really low stakes then that's really powerful but if it is a case of well you're going to be pulled into the Mahidi's office and say well you're no a six actually you're a one then Uh that's that's not that's not a good system so there was never that discussion so there wasn't that you were you were maybe asked or around your your views on something but there was never a oh you should be rating yourself as this or that yeah and I guess maybe that's one of the flaws of that approach, that mm-hmm. there was no quality assurance of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe more work could have been done around 
what it means to be excellent and what it means to be good. And I guess you, you can also pick holes in that as well. That's very subjective, isn't it? The six-point scale. Subjective and quite individualistic. Yeah, of and course. It's yeah. focused on the individual. But yeah, I think there is... I, I, I like the notion behind it, though, because it's that kind of shared language of what it is that we're aiming for as a school. And there ha- there is a kind of... The, the individual part of that, but then the wider part of that. It'd be interesting to do the two alongside each other mm-hmm. and see how those match up, do you know, and how, as a department or as a kind of stage, mm-hmm. how, how, do you, how do you match up with that? I think then, unless it's, like, quite heavily linked to professional learning, not just this model, I'm talking about self-evaluation in general, there Absolutely. needs to be a really strong foundation of, how do we build really high quality professional learning for 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 all our staff into this to continue to improve? Definitely, and I think as well as well as professional learning, it also needs to link into improvement. Yeah, there's no point you identifying and doing a lot of work and you know evidence gathering or research as you called it earlier. You identify what you need to improve, and then nothing actually happens as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So I think it has to be really clearly defining what your next steps are and then you take that forward as a school or an individual or as a faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right, the support comes from professional learning supporting you to make those improvements. But then I think professional learning, school improvement, learning and teaching are all closely linked. Yeah. And integral to each one of those. Yeah, they are. You can't take away... No one and expect others to continue to improve yeah but I think I think that's a really interesting point about self-evaluation though in terms of linking it to professional learning and professional capital being increased by mm. staff feeling part mm-hmm. of improving rather than having something done to them Definitely. working with the community to be able to move a, move a school forward and then that when you get into that in terms of looking at theories of leadership and distributed leadership and everyone having their own part in that and taking ownership over a part of that evaluation, that's when it becomes a really fruitful process Mm -hmm. and it goes beyond, transcends beyond just a bureaucratic exercise at that point because it's actually more a, this is something that we're doing that reflects what we're doing anyway as part of a school, as our practice. And that is why I think if it's in like inherently linked towards professional learning, so actually you're saying, well, this is happening in our professional learning calendar because this was our improvement agenda mm-hmm. and this is us evaluating that for the next... It is a real delicate ecosystem, isn't it? All mm-hmm. those parts working well together. It's a... It's a the, the, the question I have around it, I think, still comes down to the who is it for, really? Is it is it but is it not a professional document though? And ultimately it's around improving outcomes for young people. Yeah. That's all it's for, is it not? But the self evaluation activity is to for me anyway, it's for well I think school leaders, I think staff should know the strengths and next steps for your school, your faculty, or your own practice in your classroom. Yeah. And until you know really what your practice is, you cannot possibly identify 
improvement outcomes. Yeah. Or you can, but you might be on the wrong track. And that's why I think the evidence is really important mm -hmm. to be able to identify what's really good and what you need to focus on. Yeah. I still think there is, uh, and I, I agree, and I think what we're talking about at the moment is this sort of reflecting on all of the experiences that we've had of self-evaluation. Mm -hmm. I still think, though, just the way that current school systems work. So you're talking the, more about the kind of inspection and... Partly inspection, partly accountability to your local authority. Mm -hmm. And I understand all of the need for this. Yeah. And I, I, to a degree, agree with the systems that are in place. But the way that it currently works and the way that our school system is set up, there is an unequal power dynamic within that because of leadership teams being non-class committed, so then being able to be the ones that are out doing the learning walks more often than others. There's the the kind of ultimate responsibility for the leadership team to report directly to the local authority. Mm -hmm. I do still think that done, and it's such a delicate balance between being done really well in an empowering system or having it felt like it's been done to staff and then creating this kind of toxic culture of we're watching you, that kind of, the sort of speed camera versus the average speed camera thing. Do you know, it's that mm -hmm. kind of like, this is a quite a high accountability thing when I'm coming into your classroom or when I'm asking your learners about how they're getting on. It creates this, I, I, I think it still could create and I think you're and perpetuate right. Perpetuate that unequal power dynamic. And I think you're right. There's a difference between monitoring and self evaluation. Yeah. And I think you really need to get a, a culture where that's really understood as to what the purpose of self evaluation is for. Yeah. So that people don't feel threatened. So that actually by coming into your classroom, that's not a threatening thing. Yeah. That's actually supportive, but also we're all working together to try and achieve the same thing. Yep. It's not about, you know, looking at a deficit model as well, about what's not going well. It's about celebrating what is going well, and it's yep. about looking at the strengths as well as the next, next step. But that's a leadership choice, isn't it? It <clears> is, <throat> but that's why it's even more important that leaders get that right. Yeah, I um, agree wholeheartedly. And I guess that's down to the approach and beliefs of leaders yeah. as to how they do that, because yeah. I have no doubt that there will be some leaders who will prefer a monitoring culture, Yeah, not prefer, but maybe that's all yeah, they know or whatever, yeah. I don't know, and others that will be much more empowering and collaborative in their approach. Yeah, which, which does create that culture that does persist, I think. But then does that not then lead to what some schools will then improve and move forward? And other schools will stagnate and not move forward and therefore the experiences for young people will not improve because there won't be that culture of trust, there won't be that culture of improvement because it will be around monitoring and you know, I would argue yeah. that would be the outcome so you'd see that quite clearly. I'm not saying that's right. No. But if there, and I suppose, yeah, that's us just saying that that's not the leaders that we would want to be, it's not a system yeah. that we would want to 
engage with, but there could be an argument or a very strong argument from leaders who were saying, we have a really good grasp of what we're doing, but we lead this because of where our staff team are at the moment. And yeah, they're, they're and it's all about context, staff, isn't it? But they, there could be a really quite high mm. monitoring culture that leads to really high levels of improvement and mm-hmm. I suppose they're all of the kind of proxies of success could show that there is there could be increasing attainment, increasing attendance and there yeah. could be people so that's why I suppose it's not the be all and end all, is it? The the, the kind of improvement that's demonstrated through it because whether it is there's 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 not a huge amount of direction in terms of leadership styles and management styles about how you should approach that mm-hmm. there are yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of autonomy yeah yeah for you to approach that in the way that suits your style which i think has has as i was saying that leads to this sort of cultural dislike for classroom observations or people got or that kind of notorious slt coming into my classroom yeah so I suppose that's all about culture and ethos in the school. But that's Definitely. not the experience in every school. Definitely not. And I'm, I want to be clear about that. That's not what I'm yeah. saying. But, but that can could speak to, uh, We yeah. could all speak to People teachers that, that have said that. that they've experienced that. Definitely. Which which I think is, goes back to what I was saying before about accountability being a really delicate thing that we can't, mm-hmm. we can't not interrogate and ask the bigger why questions or the bigger vision and values and aims questions surrounding that, because they dictate further actions. But then we are accountable anyway, aren't we? We're public servants. Yeah. So I guess it's about probably just remembering that we're providing... A service. A service for young people. Yeah. And it's it's highly political, so therefore with that comes accountability and... And, you know, there's political announcements all the time. There's yeah. political interference um, because it's high stakes and because um, voters demand that, yeah. I guess. So, so, for instance, the kind of political part of that at the moment, one of the key proxies for success just now is reducing the attainment gap. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of closing. closing the attainment gap. Yeah. And that's a big part of how we self-evaluate and how we show progress that in and of itself is a political it is and i think you know what you said earlier that's not that's not just going to be achieved by school um and i think that's a wider societal issue around poverty and around the makeup and opportunity economic opportunity you know that's a wider wider conversation However, I do think schools can make inroads into that. Definitely. Um, yeah. I don't think we can close it on our own, but I think we can reduce the gap. Yeah. By strategies that we deploy around, you know, literacy development or Oh definitely. Um, you know, as an as an example. Even just attending school in yeah. any shape or form Absolutely. will do something to close that attainment gap. But as the yeah, the the point I was trying to make was all of that is political. All of that, yeah, is of course, because it is a public service and there is accountability there. So there is there is a a real drive to improve things and a, a drive to make things better. 
I think there is an ethical drive that, mm-hmm. that we all clearly have as teachers as well, the kind of moral purpose behind that, that that, that goes way beyond the numbers mm-hmm. or the kind of yearly cycle of, a, of an improvement plan. And there's a huge amount of um, great writing and discussion and debate going on about that exact issue at the moment which is a which is an interesting thing because I think then what we've discussed tonight and what we've what we've kind of really gone over quite a few times there is it's much more complex than just a document that's handed in at the end yeah, of the year. Of course, yeah. And so many complex nuanced parts are drawn into it. Mm-hmm. And it's just I think there's some really good practice, really good places that you can look in terms of even just on Twitter, online, there's lots of great blog posts written about it. Um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good question to go into, but being fully aware of the complexity of it, rather than just looking for good systems for recording or good systems for taking note of what's happened. It's actually understanding the, the role that you play. I think you have done an excellent job there in summarising and bringing a close to, to this episode. So, really good discussion. Thanks so much, Jude. And it's good to be back. Very good to be back. Thanks for listening, everyone.